Welcome back here to X's and Bros on the Michigan Sports Network. Danny Cahalen, Ryan Elke, Anthony Bellino all joining you. Joining us now, the play-by-play voice for the Detroit Tigers on Valley Sports Detroit and former play-by-play voice of the Michigan Wolverines, our good friend Matt Shepard. Find him on Twitter at Matt Shep. Shep, my friend, uh, first and foremost, thank you for taking the time to join us. How are you? How's life? How are things as we are getting ready for you to uh, to begin your travel south? Is you know, spring training right around the corner. Yeah, it's getting closer. Looking forward to it, AB. Hope you're well too. All is well. It was great to uh, great to see you back in Ann Arbor as the 2013. It was the 10 year anniversary of their run uh, to the Final Four into that national championship game, and uh, you know the block was clean there for Trey Burke and you know the fans chanting and whatnot. But what a uh, you know what a, what a cool experience to get kind of everybody back in order to uh, in in order to honor that squad and to take a look back in time. And how special was that for you? Yeah, they had a really nice ceremony on Friday night uh, with a, a big dinner and some cocktails, and the guys were back together. And uh, I think uh, Josh Bartlestein said it best: it's at halftime when you know they get together, it feels like uh, even though they've been apart for a while, uh, it seems like they never skip a beat. Um, you know, that team was so close. Uh, the thing I appreciated most about that team, AB, is that uh, you know they held each other accountable, and I think that's a really good team to do. Um, and Trey Burke did that probably as, as good as anybody uh, when they lost at Penn State near the end of the year. But there were a lot. There was a lot of reminiscing um, about the the one v two against Indiana, um, the game against Michigan State when when Burke stole the ball from Keith Appling and laid it in, and then of course the the magical tournament run, especially the game against Kansas that went into overtime. That's one of the best basketball games in Michigan basketball history, and. I would argue an NCAA tournament history. So um, yeah, it was just it's great to see those guys. Um, it's, it was an incredible honor for me to be part of it. Um, that they asked me to be part of it, and even though I was just a small part of it. But it's, it's nice to uh, it's nice to sit and visit with guys like Tim Hardaway and Trey Burke and Nick Stauskas and Blake McClymans and Max Bielfeld and Spike Albrecht and Josh Bartlestein and all those guys who still remember me um, because we are. Uh, you know, we're linked to a certain extent uh, with some of the memories that we've been able to create. And I think the, the probably the biggest highlight you can have as any broadcaster is when a player says, I remember that call. And that means an awful lot to me. So um, visiting with John Beeline and his family and, and everybody, it was just a, a really special moment. And uh, I miss those guys. I really do. How is Coach B? I mean, obviously working with the Detroit Pistons, so he's not too far away, but we don't see him uh, a whole lot. And, you know, he took the microphone there at halftime and immediately handed it off uh, to some of the players, some of the leaders on that team so that they could address the crowd. But he didn't really say anything. How's he doing? He's doing great. You know, I mean, he's 70 now, and uh, he had a nice uh, – we, we had a dinner before the ceremony um, and, and before the game against MSU. And, he was there with uh, with with Phil and and talking with him quite a bit because um, they go way back. Uh, he and I had a chance to visit. We had dinner together and we visited for a long time, talking about his grandkids and all his kids, and uh, sitting there talking with his wife. Uh, you know, Michigan's a special place, and it's a special place for Coach Beeline, the winningest coach in Michigan basketball history. And you know, I think he's always welcome back there, and for good reason. Um, you know, he brought so many incredible memories with so many great players. You know, with Stu Douglas and Zach Novak and all those guys. I mean, it was that's where it started. AB. Um, I remember doing the show that you do now so well, uh, having a, a, a dispute with somebody who followed me on the airways about Zach Novak and Stu Douglas, 
and uh, the comment was made on the air that Tom Izzo would never recruit those types of guys. And I said, I, I strongly disagree. Those are the types of guys he loves. You know, they're high character, high energy, you know, knock the battery off my shoulder, tough as nails types of guys and character building and program change. And I think those two guys really were strong. There was a strong movement of, of change with Michigan basketball when those two guys came in and, and started and played as hard as they did. No doubt about that. I, I think that a lot of times that, of course, you have to have the talent, right? And John Beeline, a master of finding that right combination between, you know, the, yeah. the uber talented with the the kind of lunch pail guys that you uh, sort of reference there in, in some of those glue guys. And when I look at this Michigan basketball team, you know, a lot of people point to, well, they're, you know, they're not winning because it's a coach. They got to bring Beeline back. I mean, you, you know how it is. You sat in this chair. You, you know what the calls are like on a daily basis. But I think a lot of it is turnover as well you need some cohesion on a basketball team you need guys that know and are very familiar with one another not only on the offensive side but almost more importantly on the defensive side of the basketball and I know that one of uh, Beeline's great quotes uh, when it comes to freshmen playing defense is they're on one to two second tape delay right and and we've seen that a lot happen uh, with this year's Michigan basketball team that a lot of talent has come in but they haven't had that cohesiveness due to all of the turnover whether it's guys uh, leaving the program for more opportunities guys jumping to the National Basketball Association, it's difficult when that becomes a revolving door. Well, I, I think every coach is dealing with that, number one. Um, I think coaches have had to deal with that quite a bit um, overall. In general, I mean, when Beeline first took over, um, he, he got rid of you know Kendrick Price and a couple of other guys, Kalen Morris and, and, and a few guys who just were not his types of guys, and he knew he was going to take his lumps. Uh, some coaches come into better situations than what Beeline inherited in Ann Arbor. The thing that, uh, and, and look, you, you're at every home game of Michigan, and you talk about it after every single game. So you're much more locked in and in tune with it than I am. But there are certain things that I do notice about teams in general, not just Michigan, but teams in general. And I'll be honest with you, I learned this stuff from, from Kirk Gibson. When a guy hits a home run in a baseball game, while we're all looking at the field, Gibby's looking at the dugout and see who's, who's most excited for that guy. When there is the final out recorded or it's a walk-off, he's looking to see who is out first. When there is a fight, he wants to see who's out first, okay? In other words, who's the guy who's the best teammate? It, it speaks volumes. Just watch it once in a while. I noticed the other night, Jed Howard goes down. Not one guy got off that bench or from that team to help him. And nobody was there clapping or standing for him when he reached the bench. That, to me, is an issue. Now, how prevalent is it? I don't know. Is that the reason that, you know, they're barely above 500 and they're on the NCAA bubble or probably on the outside looking in? I'm not saying that either. But that's troublesome. And that's one of the things I've noticed. In fairness to Michigan and anybody, I've only been to two games. Have I watched their games? Absolutely. Do I watch Michigan State? I watch the Big Ten constant. But when you notice something like that and your best player goes down, you would think a number of people would be up there to ready to help him on their shoulders or at least stand up when he gets to the bench and do something about that. And to me, I'm not saying it's a common occurrence because I wouldn't know, but to me, in, in that one moment that I noticed, that was a little stunning to me. 
Mm, interesting. Something to uh, something to keep an eye on. A nugget there, you know, courtesy of you know Kurt Gibson. The heavy living, giving us a little, uh, you know, giving us giving us a little something extra to to take a look at. And I guess I never really, I never really paid attention to that. You know, when the COVID year happened and there were no fans, everybody on the bench was so locked in because every team. They were cheering for themselves. It was like going to a volleyball game, right? And every time there's a point scored in a volleyball match, uh, the entire team, all the ladies will stand and they'll clap and cheer and all that. It was the same way during the COVID year because there were no fans. But that's something that I feel, uh, you know, has, has died off a little bit. But it is interesting who who out there is not on the floor but is locked in every single possession, isn't allowing their yeah, mind I, to I wander. Think, yeah, I, I think uh, uh, this is not an excuse, but I think a lot of players and a lot of us have, have hung on to COVID quite a bit. Uh, those are not, especially when you've got a young team or freshmen or whatever, you, you've got, that That should be instinctive. I, I don't care if it's COVID or not. I'm still out there trying to support my team. I want to help my teammate. I don't know where that would come from or why that would still linger if, if indeed it did. I mean, we're two years past this now. I mean, come on. I mean, we're, we're, we're much better educated about COVID and everything else as well. So to me, um, that has to do with connection. That has to be, that has to do with togetherness and being one. And I bring that up because of the celebration of the 2013 team, that team, not just because they made it to the national championship, but that team was, they were locked in together, man. I mean, they cared about one another. They, they played for one another. Uh, they are exactly what a team needed to be, and, and sure it paid off. I, I'll never forget, you know, the passion, the passion that Zach Novak was able to bring, and Stu Douglas with some uh, uh, in his willingness to take a back seat, and and how some of the younger players learned from them, and that didn't learn just basketball or managing time, but you know, learned how to be good teammates. Uh, that's really, really important, man. And I, I think sometimes it gets lost. Number one, but number two, we don't always recognize it. It's not, it's not easily recognized unless you're around the team all the time. Yeah, and around there, behind you know closed doors uh, as well in those practices, what that looks like, what that team uh, dynamic kind of looks like. And and this is a team that has gone to the transfer portal for point guard, right? And we're talking about Trey Burke and and how awesome. Uh, he was for this team, and I imagine that number three will will make its way up into the rafters uh, at some point here very, very soon. Yeah, you soon. could make that argument, couldn't you? I mean, mm-hmm. he, that he should be up there. And look, I, I, I get where people are going, too, by the way. I'm, when I say Novak and Douglas, I'm talking about program changing, okay, not 2013. I'm talking about program changing on how guys learn from those guys before they reach 2013. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, look, if, if Trey Burke is a four-year player at Michigan, his number – should be up there. I mean, you're the national player of the year. You lead your team to that type of moment. It's it's amazing to me. But um, it was uh, it, it was heartwarming to see him come back and say what he said, and Tim Hardaway too. Those are the biggest names, along with Stauskas, because of their NBA pedigree. But and, and Hardaway continues. But uh, for them to come back and 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 say what they said about how much that school meant to them was, I think, pretty special. No doubt about it. And that in that point guard position has been, you know, you have you have Trey Burke, you have Derek Walton Jr., you have Derek Walton Jr. into Xavier Simpson and Eli Brooks. 
uh, in the battle that that existed there for that starting role, and then you know Eli coming on strong uh, for his fifth year, and and then it was there, there was some portal action there overlapping, right? You had guys like Mike Smith and then Devontae Jones, and this year supposed to be Jalen Newell, and that's really been a an area of concern for me because I think that you know this team was really missing that kind of point guard. Now I'm mentioning you know guys that were that that were. Fabulous at Michigan. I mean, Derek Walton Jr., you're probably not going to find too many of those running around. Or Trey Burks, as you mentioned, National Player of the Year. Those guys aren't just, you know, growing on trees uh, somewhere that you could just pick up and say, oh, we're going to go with this guy this year. But going to the portal to find that point guard, I kind of always felt was going to be an area uh, that was going to be an area of contention, right? Because you have to find some stability there. Jalen Llewellyn gets injured, and I thought that Doug McDaniel was going to be that real change of pace sort of guy. And Doug has been forced into that floor general role and I think that he has been absolutely outstanding. He and Terrace Reed Jr., I mean, two freshmen that you just you just you know, kind of cross your fingers and hope that they're going to be there a while. I mean, Doug against Michigan State, 18 points in 39 minutes with four assists, four rebounds, a steal, and no turnovers. I mean, he was just sensational. And I think that Michigan fans can look to Doug to say, okay, we, we might have our guy now finally after a couple of years of transition. Uh, somebody's going to stick around and run this run this team. Yeah, and, and I thought Buskin was really good. Um, I mean, when you can beat you know Michigan State like they did without, obviously, uh, Jet Howard, their best player, Williams is still hurt. And, you know, I, I think when you look at the big fella inside, he was limited for the most part. Um, uh, you know, Dick, I'm referring to Dickinson. I, I think that's, you know, that's a big plus for Michigan. The only thing about the point guard is, like Michigan developed Xavier Simpson while Derek Walton was there. So I think the transfer portal, again, I'm not saying you're using it, but I think it's almost like an excuse. I mean, look, you don't want to go into the transfer portal. They're not working out. Develop somebody. You know, get a young guy and, and develop them um, and, and have them be the next Xavier Simpson. He comes in and, you know, he waits a couple of years. When he gets his chance, he takes advantage of it. Derek Walton had to wait too. Um, I, I just, I think in today's college athletics, the kids are looking for instant gratification. If they're not playing or starting right away, they're ready to move on. And the coaches are kind of doing the same thing. So we blame kids for transferring out because they're not getting a chance. But on the other hand, we don't say anything about coaches who rely on the transfer portal instead of trying to convince a young man that, I'm going to develop you, and you're going to be into, you're going to turn into a really good point guard or whatever position you may play. In that game between Michigan and Michigan State, obviously, you know, uh, uh, the premise of our conversation being that you know, 10 year anniversary of the 2013 team, but obviously, a lot going on uh, outside of the world of sports. I mean, we spent last Tuesday. I mean, it was all about the tragedy that took place there, you know, Monday evening and what was unfolding there in East Lansing being a morning show. Of course, you know, that that was that was the basis of our three three hour program. They turned the lights to uh, to green and white in the pregame. They had the student body presidents from both schools out there at midcourt. And I thought, you know, Ryan had said something, you know, Friday morning that really kind of stuck with me throughout the weekend is that maybe Maybe this is an opportunity for as, as much vitriol as there has been within the rivalry, uh, how much anger and you know, kind of you know, social media rearing its ugly head with the two fan bases. Maybe this is a good opportunity for everybody to take a breath and kind of reset things a little bit and you know, bring it back down to earth that, yes, this, you know, we're, we are just talking about sports and there are things that are more important that are greater than you know, the outcome of the game. 
Well, I've always felt that way. Um, I think there's always been a, at least when I was around the program for 15 years, there was a great deal of respect. You can have both. You can strongly dislike one another, but still respect one another. And I think that's the way it's always been. I don't think there's any question. I, I think, and this is not a knock on fans or sports talk radio or columnists or people who are trying to get clicks and social media, because I know that's the big deal, but, um, Look, if you're around it, if you're within that program, you feel it. You feel that, look, they don't like Michigan State. We know Michigan State doesn't like them, but they still respect them because of how good the program is and, and Michigan, what they were able to build too, especially under John Beeline. So, I mean, that's natural. That's, that's good. That's a good rivalry. That's good for sports in general. Um, you know, hate is probably a too, too strong of a word, but, you know, taking a step back, I thought – both schools, uh, first of all, I give Michigan State all the credit in the world for, for playing the, you know, the game in, in the first place. Um, I give Michigan a ton of credit for, and rightfully so, for what they've, what they did to honor Michigan State. Um, it was, a everybody was there with a heavy heart. Anybody who has any association with both schools, um, I thought it was wonderful that, you know, on the, on the big screen, there's a, a shot of the, you know, the, the state of Michigan and, and the hearts around Michigan State and, and Ann Arbor and both logos there, um, you know, and, and the T-shirts that, that Michigan wore, the bracelets that were on every seat. Um, you know, my wife and I were there as part of that celebration, but, you know, we wanted to bring my daughter who's who attends Michigan State and was in the uh, student union 40 minutes before that young boy was, was taken too early from us. Um, she was literally there 40 minutes prior to the sh- shooting. Um, and so she was in lockdown. So it's, you know, it affects more. We, I don't think we truly appreciate or understand how much it affects these kids unless we are one of those kids or we're associated with one of those kids. Um, so it has been a, a constant communication with all these young people. It's been a, uh, a constant trying to understand, be patient. Be loving, be caring, be open to what they feel most comfortable with because of what they've had to deal with and what they're going to continue to have to deal with. And I think, you know, uh, so many articles were written about it, and rightfully so. Um, you know, the two hours or two plus hours gave us a chance to escape for just a little bit and become sports fans again, but also understanding where sports lies and the purpose, you know, of our lives. He is Matt Shepard, play-by-play voice of the Detroit Tigers, former voice of the Michigan basketball program. Shep, my friend, as always, a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, safe travels to you in the coming weeks, and we'll touch base soon. Sounds great. Have a great week, buddy.